acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor. Gene was wooden. But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Jon Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late-night legend Jon Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello and welcome to This Day in History Class, a show that tends the garden of history every day of the week. I'm Gabe Luzier, and in this episode, we're looking at the humble origins of Washington, D.C.'s world-famous cherry trees. Their pink and white blossoms may be easy on the eyes, but getting them to the U.S. in the first place was a long and hard-fought struggle. The day was March 27, 1912. First Lady Helen Taft and Viscountess Iwachinda planted two Japanese cherry trees in Washington, D.C. The planting took place on the northern bank of the city's tidal basin, not far from the future Jefferson Memorial. The intimate ceremony was held in celebration of a gift from the Japanese government, the donation of 3,020 Yoshino cherry trees. Only five people were in attendance that day. They were Helen Taft, Iwachinda, her husband, the Japanese ambassador, U.S. Army Colonel Spencer Cosby, who had overseen the planting, and a globe-trotting travel writer named Eliza Sidmore, who had been instrumental in bringing cherry trees to Washington. The small, simple ceremony they held eventually grew into the National Cherry Blossom Festival, a renowned annual event that now draws nearly 2 million visitors each year. Planting cherry trees along the Potomac was first proposed by Eliza Sidmore in 1885. The well-traveled socialite had just returned home to Washington, D.C. from her first trip to Japan, and she couldn't get the country's flowering cherry trees out of her head. She later explained her fascination, writing, quote, The blooming cherry tree is the most ideally, wonderfully beautiful tree that nature has to show, and its short-lived glory makes the enjoyment the keener and more poignant. Before the year was out, Sidmore made a proposal to the U.S. Army superintendent in charge of the city's public buildings and grounds. There was a barren stretch of parkland along the Potomac waterfront, 
and Sidmore suggested planting Japanese cherry blossoms there to help liven up the area. Unfortunately, no one at the department felt the same way, and her proposal was promptly rejected. Sidmore was undeterred, though. She continued her campaign for the next 24 years, presenting her idea to one uninterested official after another. Then, in 1909, the Tafts moved into the White House, and Eliza Sidmore finally found a fellow Cherry Blossom fan in a seat of power. A few years earlier, Helen Heron Taft had lived in Japan while her husband led the Second Philippine Commission. That gave her first-hand experience of the Cherry Blossom's beauty, so when Sidmore wrote to her about bringing the trees to Washington, she embraced the idea right away. Sidmore had proposed a plan to pay for the trees, but once the First Lady expressed her interest, the Japanese consul in New York suggested that the city of Tokyo might be willing to donate them as a gift to the U.S. government. Not long after, Tokyo Mayor Yukio Ozaki agreed to send 2,000 cherry blossom trees to D.C. as a token of friendship between the two countries. Ozaki later revealed that the gift was partly a way to thank the U.S. for its role in negotiating an end to the Russo-Japanese War just a few years earlier. It was a lovely gesture, but unfortunately, it didn't work out as planned. In January of 1910, the shipment of 2,000 cherry trees arrived in Washington. They were unloaded and inspected by the Department of Agriculture, at which point it was discovered that all of the trees were infested with insects and parasitic worms. Those non-native species posed a threat, not only to the trees, but to the whole U.S. ecosystem. As a result, President Taft granted permission for the diseased trees to be destroyed, with most being incinerated later that month. It was an embarrassing ordeal for everyone involved, but Tokyo Mayor Ozaki seemed to take it in stride. He told the U.S. ambassador, quote, To be honest about it, it has been an American tradition to destroy cherry trees ever since your first president, George Washington. So there's nothing to worry about. In fact, you should be feeling proud. Ozaki didn't just poke fun, though. He also continued to work with Helen Taft and Eliza Sidmore on plans to send a new batch of trees. Much of the funding for that second round of planting, care, and shipment was donated by a private Japanese citizen named Dr. Takamine Zokichi. Working closely with Ozaki, he ensured that a full 3,000 trees would be raised for Washington, D.C., plus another 3,000 for New York City. Rather than risk sending more infected trees, Ozaki decided to start fresh this time. He had shoots taken from the finest cherry trees in Tokyo, and then grafted them onto wild cherry roots. Those were then planted in sterilized beds under the jurisdiction of the Ministry of Agriculture and Commerce. After three years of careful nursing, the saplings were finally ready to make their long-awaited journey to Washington. In late December of 1911, the second gift of 3,020 cherry trees was dispatched from Japan aboard the steamship Awamaru. The trees arrived in Seattle in early March the following year, and then made their way across the country inside temperature-controlled railroad cars. They were unloaded in the nation's capital on March 26th, and a preliminary inspection was conducted on the spot. Thankfully, no signs of disease or infestation were found, and once the all-clear was given, a ceremonial tree planting was scheduled for the very next day. 
And so, on the afternoon of March 27, 1912, Eliza Sidmore's wish finally came true. First Lady Taft had the honor of planting the first ten-foot-tall cherry tree, which she reportedly did by hand. Then, she invited Viscountess Chinda to plant the second tree. After she had done so, the First Lady presented the ambassador's wife with a bouquet of American Beauty roses, and the ceremony was concluded. There were no photographers and no reporters on hand for the event, but the location of the trees was recorded for posterity. Planting continued for the rest of the decade, with the other 3,018 trees being distributed between the Tidal Basin site, the East Potomac Park, and the White House grounds. More than a century later, about a hundred of the trees from that original batch still remain, including the first two planted on March 27th you'll find them a few hundred yards west of the John Paul Jones Memorial. They don't exactly stand out from the other trees, but there is a large bronze plaque near their bases which commemorates their planting. In the years that followed, the blossoming trees delighted city residents just as Sidmore and Taft knew they would. The cherry trees also proved popular with tourists. So much so that in 1934, D.C. commissioners held a three-day event to celebrate the late March blooming of the trees. It was such a success that it later became an annual event, the National Cherry Blossom Festival. In the decades since the first trees were planted, many more have been added, including another batch from the Japanese government in 1965. Today, there are nearly 4,000 cherry blossom trees in the U.S. capital, when they bloom each spring, the entire city is awash in fluttering clouds of pink, rose, and white, an annual tribute to the natural beauty of Japan, to its friendship with the United States, and to the tenacity of Eliza Sidmore, the woman who wouldn't take no for an answer. I'm Gabe Lussier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you enjoyed today's episode, consider following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You'll find us at TDIHCshow. You can also pass along any questions or comments you might have by writing to thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thank you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class. Notorious Scott Summers hater Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was wounded! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late-night legend John Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.